You're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and I'm so glad you showed up for our relationship chat today, as well as for you and your people. We're all about living intentionally here so you can experience joy and balance in your relationships once again or for the very first time. Be sure you hang with us on our social media platforms, and if you like research like I do, Make sure you check out our website at enneagramandmarriage.com for our weekly newsletter, freebies, and so much more, as well as at Instagram and Facebook. We have so many goodies to share with you. Let's dive right in together. Hello, you guys. I'm so glad you joined me for this juicy episode with Kirsten Barker, Enneagram 2. You guys might remember her from past episodes, but she has given us so much in terms of just her vibrant type 2 spirit and long-term understanding of the Enneagram. And today she continues to dive deep with us as we explore this particular personality type together. Now, you guys know this series has been so meaningful meaningful because we have been talking to people who have really lived life for quite a while and myself included like I love the fact that you know after a while of doing things in your way with your passions and your fixations and your Enneagram rhythms you can still enjoy your gifts but you're so much more aware of your blind spots and Kirsten really invites twos and those with twos to look behind them a bit and see what they're doing for attention seeking in unhealthy ways and really reminds them of what they can do in healthy ways and and I love inviting her on for this episode because Kirsten has been doing the work continues to do it and is willing to lean in to share these masterpieces that she has uncovered in terms of just new iterations of herself that have been waiting to be released because of that. So I'm excited. There's emotion in this episode, enthusiasm and practicality. So we are really trying to bring it all to you. All right, let's welcome Kirsten on. Kirsten, I'm so happy to have you on the Enum Pod. Thank you for coming again. Yes, thank you for having me. Always happy to be able to talk to you. Oh, me too with you. And you are such a delight. Kirsten's been at so many wonderful trainings. You guys know she's ENM certified. She's been on the podcast before. She's one of the people I've gotten to meet in person from Enneagram work. It's been such a delight. You guys are in for such a treat today. And Kirsten, tell us a little bit about your marriage, your work, your life, so our listeners can get to know you. Okay. Uh, my name is Kirsten Barker, and I live in the beautiful Smoky Mountains of East Tennessee. Um, my dad was actually in the military. This is where he retired when I was in high school. And my husband is retired from the Air Force. And we decided after traveling all around the country, it was definitely time to be back at home in the mountains and the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee. So um, that's where I live and we love it here. It's absolutely beautiful. Spring is springing and it's so nice. We're really enjoying it. Um, so the, I said, I'm a military brat. Um, I have uh, been married for 25 years mm-hmm. to my wonderful husband, who is a type eight. And you might've heard we were interviewed before on Krista's podcast. And uh, he is, a, uh, we have used Enneagram so much in our marriage and it's been amazing. Um, and we learned about Enneagram probably about 10 years ago at our church when we lived in Las Vegas. And we just loved it so much. We were like, we need to share this with people like, um, we need to bring the message out. We need to help other people. So we also run a little study group in our hometown here where we live that meets twice a month. And we um, absolutely love doing that. Uh, we have two children. 
Um, our son, Benjamin, is 18 and he's a type one and he's a social, the same as I am. And our daughter, Caden, is 22 and she is a self-pressed four and uh, she is living away from home now, doing her thing. Um, but she also loves Enneagram and hopes to be a helper out in the world as well, too. So um, and I've been doing Enneagram coaching for mm, about probably two years now or so I took Krista's class and during COVID that was the time to kind of learn. And, mm -hmm. um, I am really enjoying being a coach and having some clients and helping people in their relationships and their marriages. Oh, that's amazing. And one of the things Kirsten and I joke about is she gets a lot of eight, nine couples because there's a lot of eight, <laughs> nine couples in the world. Like if you're an eight, nine couple of hers listening, like there's a lot of you, like there's just yeah. so many. And so it's so beautiful that we get to know that there's a lot of these types in the world. Isn't that interesting? It's very interesting. And actually many, many of the eights that I, many of those couples too, the eights are the, are the wise. Mm -hmm. So just so people know that, I think there's sort of this fallacy that eight is a, like a man number. And I have found in my experience, I know many, many more women that are eights um, mm -hmm. actually than men. And usually the nines are the husbands. So, yeah. um, mm -hmm. you know, it's that, that way, at least most of the ones I've had. So yeah, um, yeah definitely that pairing. If you're that pairing and you're <laughs> looking for somebody, I have a lot of experience. <laughs> yeah. And that's a popular pairing. So we're keeping Kirsten busy, um, <laughs> but she's also great with other pairings. And, and as we have you on for a two episode today, tell our listeners a little bit about what it's like being a two two in general first. Okay. So type two is in the heart triad center. Mm -hmm. um, so we're feelers. Um, we start in the world with how we feel about things. Mm -hmm. The two is sometimes called the helper, the giver. Um, that's definitely me. Um, twos are very relational. Um, they are kind of approached by noticing what need, wanting to fill those people's needs, um, showing up in the world with service um, a lot of times uh, is really important for them. Um, and being being happy, being positive, being smiley, bringing good energy into the world, I think is really important for twos. Um, and being liked, um, of course, is really important. There's like a lot of focus on that. So in marriage and in relationships, um, we're kind of the most relational part on the Enneagram in a lot of ways because two's yeah. focus is just always on the relationship. And it, it's kind of surprising, but sometimes it's even on the relationship with the person behind you in the grocery store line. Yeah. Um, it's on the relationship with everybody everywhere. And it's kind of your, uh, your focus. And we'll talk about that more as we go through today. But the problem is it becomes a very external focus and it's not a very internal focus sometimes. And so mm. that's something that's really, I think, um, in relationships, uh, in marriage and parenting, sometimes twos can get a little bit lost because their focus is always on other people and not on themselves. So I think that that's um, mm -hmm. something really important to keep in mind if you are a two or if you love someone who's a two. <laughs> yeah, that's so well said. And maybe you can tell us how that plays into twos being dependent too. It sounds like you're saying there's a lot of features which make you guys want to look to others for either comforting them or what is the the way you see the relationship to that in terms of compliance or dependence? I know we've talked about even those labels. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I definitely, um, dependent type is, makes perfect sense to me. Um, it's that act and space of sort of always moving towards people and your energy is always 
feeling very forward motion towards everyone at all times. Um, Always being super aware of how I'm received and how people are taking me and what my image, um, all heart types that have image things, they notice their image, noticing um, what they're thinking about me or what I assume they are thinking about me. I'm learning in my growth um, that many times I make a lot of assumptions, whether people like me or don't like me or how they're perceiving me or taking me, that is probably not true because that's Mm -hmm. something coming from really inside of me, not always coming from outside of me, um, is dependent natured. Um, feeling like I have to be good all the time, um, and not be selfish. Um, I think that that's, that's probably the hardest thing. It's, it's a lot, it feels like a lot of work sometimes, like being also on that positive track and that positive outlook and wanting to see the good side. You feel like the way to help people is to always be positive, even when you don't feel positive. So I think that's a real dependent type thing is too. It's like, you know, you're not going to like me if I'm not like being Mm -hmm. smiley or happy or something like that. And you really notice how. Um, it's kind of a thing in Enneagram, like, you know, you want to be the good little girl or boy, you want to make sure that people are perceiving you in a good way. Um, and that's super, super important for twos, like, because we sense other people's energy and we want that energy to be pointed in our direction and getting that attention from people. And it's really hard if that's not there. So, um, definitely very, um, image conscious and how I show up and that's, I know all dependents are like that, but I think for twos that there's a little extra hard work to do there because we're so relational um, and notice what other people feel, or at least believe we know what other people feel. Yeah. (laughs) You you said that so well. And I think you like that phrasing better than compliant, right? Yeah, I think so. Because I think in a lot of ways, compliancy makes it feel like you're kind of doing what other people want or Mm -hmm. because really, I think even the label compliant in the beginnings of Enneagram was more about being compliant to your own inner voice that says you must be good. Yeah. It's not necessarily following rules, which is kind of a way that we would maybe see as compliant a person who's compliant does what they're told I don't think I'll do twos or sixes or ones do what they're told but I do think that we are very dependent on an inner voice that says we need to be good we need to be right what we do is dependent on what how other people perceive us Mm. so there's always awareness of our behavior being driven by what other people think of us Um, and sometimes that gets really tough and gets sticky because not all people are kind and not all people are nice. And sometimes what other people think of us is, um, hard to take or is not even true. And yet we still take that in. And especially as twos, that kind of wounds your heart. And then that makes that feel really painful as well, too. Mm, That makes sense that it's painful when you guys are trying to sift through and you might be coming across somebody who doesn't value the same things. And I like how you're letting us know your thinking is becoming more expansive as you study. And I think that's really important for twos. Also, I love how you said it's not always that we're compliant um, because we're really seeking a need. And this sort of goes with this whole idea of twos being part of the relationalist, the rejection triad. And I love learning about this from somebody inside of this space. Can you tell us what that looks like to you briefly versus somebody who might be in the comfort triad or an idealist. It doesn't mean you don't have like comforts and ideals, but it feels like avoiding rejection is something that you might be familiar with. No, a hundred percent. And it's kind of funny with twos. Cause it's like, 
we're relational relationists. It's sort of a double whammy, right? Mm-hmm. Twos are already the most relational part on the Enneagram. And then we're also in that harmony group of being also a relationist. So, and that is the rejection people where you have the sense of, I'm going to be rejected. And that goes into dependency. It's all interwoven, right? Um, if If I don't show up, in these relationships, everything that I do, every choice that I make, every step that I take, every mm-hmm. decision that I make is d- decided, is thought through, is felt through how it is relating to someone else. Wow. And it is, and then because I'm so aware of relationships and we're aware of what other people feel, yeah, I just lose myself in it. You know, and relationships, of course, are important, but this grand view of the world of being like, how does everything relate to everything else? And then how does all of that relate to me? And then being in a heart type and being a shame type, it's like, so how does all of that relate to my self-worth? And so Mm -hmm. your self-worth becomes something very external to yourself, not something that's coming from inside of you. That's God given that's spiritual. That's something you're blessed with. It's something that is dependent on what is going on in those relationships and with things outside of yourself. And so, and definitely that sense of rejection. I, I think that for me, it's a lot about not feeling, I know this is kind of a head type word, but that sense of security, that sense of being okay, the sense of being protected yeah. is lacking a lot in twos, I think, and feeling that, yeah. that that protector person maybe didn't always show up for you like you needed them to. Mm-hmm. So I better be good. I better be nice. I better be kind. I better show up for everybody else. Yeah. If I do that, then I won't be rejected and I'll have that sense of security and I'll have that sense of being okay. And then I won't feel shameful. And so it's this whole big sort of giant kind of one thing leads to another thing leads to another thing. So I think it's helpful to start at the first part and start to mm-hmm. unravel it and pull it apart and start Thank to making you. all sense of why we too sometimes do what they do and how we are in relationships. Mm, yeah. And it really helps me to understand why even as you're working so hard to be relational and what you said was very key when you said, we don't always consider uh, you said we're present focused. So we're not always thinking about like um, maybe relationships that we're not with in that moment. Do you ever feel like in marriage or family that has cost you or your family because you were focusing outwardly? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I think because I think my kids, when they were smaller, before I knew about Enneagram for sure. Um, and also because I'm a social, I was always yeah. using my two-ness to help other people and help other um, I work with um, new moms. I was a military wife. So I worked with new moms just having babies and helping them with their breastfeeding and with their parenting. And mm-hmm. in the midst of all of that, I think yeah. sometimes my own children sort of got lost in the shuffle. That. Yeah. Um, and because I was putting so much attention onto making sure everybody else's relationships were okay, not being my, you know, as much as my one-to-one with my own family. I've got a lot better about that. Um, But at the same time, and I know we talked about this a little bit, Krista, it's also with my children as a two, being that relational type, you tend to sometimes lean in too hard into your children Mm -hmm. and into your spouse. It's like you put so much value 
onto the relationship, onto how everything relates to you and to being okay, that it puts sometimes too much onto, I think, especially kids, especially teenagers, as they're trying to get Mm -hmm. independent, Mm -hmm. find their own way, be their own person. And -hmm. they're kind of like, you know, I don't need to, I can't always be moms. I can't always have my attention on my mother. Like, you know, you're my teenager is not the most important thing they're like oh my gosh mother stop helping me and loving me just leave me alone you know it's learning well my husband is eight so I was listening to a podcast recently about how eights hates eights help people eights help people by teaching them to be strong and powerful and helping themselves Mm. and I think that that's really important for twos to know and one of the things I wrote in my notes and might get more into the questions we have too though about understanding about that eight line that you have Mm. and that sometimes helping people and being truly helpful is not helping them in a way that a two perceives help. Mm. And that's really hard. Sometimes you have to let your children struggle. Sometimes you have to not catch them. Sometimes you not, you have to not be all up in their business all the time and asking them if they're okay. And can you do stuff for them? They want to figure it out for themselves and you're not Mm. really it's hard because you feel like that's a rejection of sorts when you don't understand. But when you can step back and be like, Hey, I've prepared these children to go and like figure out what they need to figure out. I don't always have to be in the middle of it all the time. And that's a relief for the children. (laughs) And really it's a relief for the two as well too, because it's kind of exhausting when you're in the middle of all of that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense that you're like, I have to learn that in my families, uh, in my family and with my spouse that, Sometimes if I push in too hard, even in a loving, giving way, they may say that's, that's something we don't need in this stage, which is good for you to tell others, because this is why I've been interviewing people who have walked the journey, because we want them to even have like cleaner stories than we've had. And of course, nobody's stories are going to be perfect, but what advice do you have for a two who wants to serve, who wants to be meaningful in community, who's looking around and trying to find the needs in the community, um, maybe even because their kids are saying back off a little, like, do you invite them into talking with their families or some sort of self-care? What are your thoughts about that? Oh yeah. Self-care is really, really, really so incredibly vital for twos. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the curse word for a two is selfish, right? Like mm-hmm. I can't, if I'm taking care of myself, if I'm focusing on myself, if I'm not putting all of my focus onto my relationships then somehow that's a bad thing, you know? Um, And I think that we have to really switch that idea. And again, talking about the importance of four, this is all, I mean, of eight, this is why it's so important, our line of connection to four, because we need to withdraw. We need to know ourselves. And there's this idea that we have to be something different than we are for people to love us. And what's beautiful about fours is they don't think that. They want to be in a healthy four, they're going to be who they are. They're going to have their uniqueness. They're going to have, they're going to know their depths. How mm-hmm. I like to think of it is you have power to one line of you and you have depth to the other side of you. And as a two, at least I know for me, yeah, I feel like in most of my life, I'm 52 years old. Mm-hmm. I did not have access to my power or to my depth. Mm-hmm. And one thing that Enneagram has truly granted me is that, and sometimes the power and the depth has me stand independently, which is not in relation to other people, or has me withdraw, which is not in relation to other people. And that's okay. 
you know, and sometimes, and, and with the community and with coming outside of your children and helping, I think it's about asking where help is needed. Yeah. And if the answer is yes, then you help because twos think we know best. We, mm-hmm. this is our, this is our vice, right? We have yeah. this pride, like mm-hmm. I know what you need and I know what's better for everybody. And yeah it's kind of tough because, you know, that's not really true. We don't always know what people need. And sometimes we're mm-hmm. helping people who don't want to be helped or volunteering yeah. where we don't need to be volunteering. Yeah. And yeah. I have really learned that I ask, Krista, I ask, oh, I'll say, do you oh, need me? So do you need me to make dinner for you? And here's the key. It's going to be tough for any twos out there. Oh, if the person God. says, no, I do not need you to help me. Wow. You respect that answer. And you say, okay, just know I'm here if you need me and you back off. And that has really made, but people respect you in a whole different way because they, your helping is so different when you're not putting your own assumption Mm. on what people need. And I think that, and it makes everything better. You, you know, yourself better. It's not, it's, it's become something very true and not something that's only done for attention. Okay. Because most twos would not, like it that they do everything they do for attention and I didn't like it in the beginning yeah. either but yeah. it's it that's kind of a tough pill to swallow like yeah. it's not always just about helping it's about being seen yeah. and do you want to be seen for who you truly are or seen for only for your deeds or your help or your tasks or you want to be your soul to really be seen Aww. and um, oh I think gosh, that that that's so different. Oh, yeah. And it's so, yeah. you're really seen when your soul's seen. Yeah. And you're only seen for your acts of service or you cook someone dinner or whatever. Yeah. Yes, you're seen, but are you really? Mm-hmm. You know, it's just different. Mm-hmm. It, it's different. And it feels wow. a little strange at first, in all honesty, because it's a different volume of attention, but it's a different yeah. quality of attention. Ooh, you said that much- well. Yeah. This is why I asked Kirsten on, because I don't <laughs> know many twos that are able to think like this, because just as I'm feelings inhibited, twos are often thinking inhibited. So this is a yeah. beautiful example of how Kirsten's done her work. And I don't mean she won't continue to, because I want everyone to know we're always going to have some stuff to work on. But the fact that she can say holding this new space has created a different kind of relationships that what I'm, I hope I'm not projecting here, but it sounds like you're saying they're deeper and richer. Is that true? Oh, absolutely. They're just more real because they're based Mm. on me. Here's what's really cool, Krista. It's like, I have a new relationship. It's a relationship Mm. with me. I never had that relationship before. It's like, why are we so relational, but we don't have a relationship (laughs) with our own self? It's like, that's a beautiful relationship too, that deserves our attention and our honor and our thought. And, and you really write about the thinking inhibited. Actually, one of the things I wrote down was, you know, that I think twos have to learn that their thinking is so important and so beautiful. And, and that's part of that being alone time too, and getting away from people and having time when you can think things through and, uh, and get more, 
clarity in your thinking and realize how beautiful, if you stop thinking about relationships all the time, you suddenly have all this brain power to think about other things that are, have so much, there's so much, I mean, relationships are valuable. I'm not doubting that in any way, but there's so many other things to think about. And um, if you take up all your space in the present, just always thinking about the relationship in front of you, you're missing so much, um, so much value in your headspace. Oh, that's beautiful to give them permission to head back there and to help them to know, even if other people don't give you that attention you want, um, you're going to get better attention from yourself and more Mm -hmm. genuine, true attention that you didn't have to seek for. I often think of that Taylor Swift song when I think of two's mastermind and it's sweet, But I often think, you know, what about not being the mastermind who talks others into loving them? And I think of threes too for this, Um, but actually being sought out and there's a different meaning to that. And there's a different presence and self-respect there that says I'm worth the weight. I'm worth not being the pursuer. Sometimes I'm worth learning who I am. So I'm really proud of you for walking this journey just as a sister alongside you. Yes, thank you. And and just so that anybody, any twos that are out there, maybe at the beginning of this Enneagram journey, um, it's not always easy. You know, I mean, I remember in the beginning, my daughter, of course, she was probably 12 or something when we first got Enneagram. And, and she was like, oh, it's so hard for mom. She's a two. She's just smiling, happy, and everybody likes her, you know, because yeah. there's sort of this feeling of this with twos, right? I mean, yeah. we're positive. We usually, most twos have a nice smile. They have a nice energy. Um, they're, 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 they show up in service to other people. But there's the suffering that twos have and the sadness and this, that's underneath all of that, that is mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. denied. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's also why our four is so important. Um, and going into that space and going into those depths and recognizing that suffering and coming out the other side, um, of that, because we're not just all smiles and happiness. And, yeah. you know, that's a really important thing for people who love twos to know that sometimes that super yeah. smiley front is a load of bull yeah. because there is something going on in there yeah. that that two is probably not even honest with themselves about. Mm. And um, so mm. it is, and as, especially for me, I mean, cause I am a social, so maybe if you have a little better one-on-one in you, that might be you might have that a little bit better, but to be able to share yourself with other people. Um, but you know, there is a, it's a, it's a tough journey because it looks, it's kind of like this pretty package that has a pretty bow and pretty wrapping paper. And it it just looks nice on the outside. And there's so, there's a lot more going on Mm. inside of twos. I think sometimes then it appears on the surface. Oh, how interesting. And a lot of twos don't maybe tell people that, Tell us more about how that pride can show up when it comes to uh, maybe manipulating or asking people to help or helping them. Tell us a little more about how pride can show up for a two. Yeah, I think that it's a couple ways. I mean, I, I think that it is one, it's assuming that we know what everyone needs. Okay. And it's kind of that idea of, that positive outlook thing is, oh, well, yeah, there's a problem, but it's your problem. You're the one who needs help because I'm fine. Right. So Mm -hmm. that is, so the pride in Enneagram is maybe a little bit different 
it has a similar meaning to what we know of as pride, but it also has a different meaning to what we know of as pride in like everyday language. Yeah. I mean, because probably most twos that you know, if you looked at them, you wouldn't be like, well, they don't seem like they're full of pride and super proud and yeah. like, you know, because yeah. they don't really necessarily come across like that. Yeah. But it's this idea that I know best. Mm. I know what you need. Um, I will set aside my own needs or I will ignore my own needs. And actually in a weird way, I don't think twos even know what they need. So it's yeah. not an awareness of the needs and then, a, then a letting them, setting them aside. It's literally putting them so far away from yourself that you don't even know of their existence. Interesting. Um, it's wow. very interesting. It's like you yeah. can ha have these twos. We're very talky, usually most yeah. twos. Yeah. And then you'll say, well, what do you need? And all of a sudden there's this silence and there's crickets because yeah. they're like, well, I have not really thought about that for a really long time. I have no idea. Who am I? What do I need? You know? So I, it's weird to think of that as pride, but, but it is because it's a denial. It's saying I'm okay, no matter what. Yeah. And it's, and it's not true. You know, it's, it's a, it's a tricking of the self too, as much as it is, it is of other people ties right back into that dependent nature. Right. I mean, I have to look okay mm -hmm. to get my attention. So I will just pretend, always act like I'm okay. And as much more you act like you're okay, then you just sort of ignore that you aren't. So yeah. there's, I think for spiritual work and the true mm -hmm. journey of an Enneagram too, is realizing how much of that you've even told yourself that you have to untangle and you have to be willing to admit this is the humility, right? Like I'm actually not okay. Mm -hmm. I actually don't know what I need. I don't have what I need. I have an emptiness that I can't explain mm -hmm. that no matter how much attention I try to get from you, it actually never really fills mm -hmm. um, because, because wow. attention attention doesn't really fill our emptiness, right? Because usually the attention is not for what we really want the attention for. We want it for our truth and not just for our acts of service. Yeah. But if we don't show our truth, then how are we going to get attention for that? So <laughs> it's sort of a vicious cycle, right? You have yeah. to kind of unravel. That's why being alone is so important. That's why yeah. being alone is so, so, so important. Because mm. as soon as someone else is in the room, you go into performance mode right? Mm -hmm. The spotlights come on and you're like, I'm back into performance mode. So yeah. um, definitely alone time, alone time, alone time. And it will feel weird at first to be alone. Okay. It will feel weird. Oh, yeah. Wow. That's a really but it is um, really, really important. And what do they do when they're alone? Because I know that's probably the next question on their hearts. Um, I think you have to be careful to not distract yourself with things like maybe video games or reading or TV or things like that, which I think, mm -hmm. you know, a yes. lot of us do when we're alone. Mm -hmm. Um, because that's, I don't know, that's like busy stuff that again, you're not really using your thinking centers or you're really going into your feelings. Um, I think meditation, if you can do that, which again, will feel weird at first because your, your thinking repression is going to go kind of crazy at the beginning. Um, maybe yeah. listening to quiet music, um, even podcasts, things that make you are going to bring some awareness to you of what's going on with you and who you are. Um, maybe reading something that's more self-help natured, not just like a novel or something like that. Um, I like listening to music. I also craft again, maybe that's my four connection, but I think sometimes doing something creative is really beautiful for twos, but here's the challenge. Make something beautiful, but don't give it to someone. 
keep it for yourself. And that's really hard for twos two to two. I have a hard time finding inspiration unless I'm making something for someone else. So that's been part of the journey too. like do something for you and knit or cross stitch or, you know, do whatever things that, so you can just let your mind sort of wander and your focus only be on yourself. Okay. And, um, like I said, that will feel very strange at first and you will not like it, but mm-hmm. trust me over time. You'll be like, how did I ever live without my alone time? Yeah. Um, and then you get that really beautiful, valuable. yeah, you get that beautiful home that a lot of twos really bring and like, and I see your beautiful home behind you today. And I think that that's, uh, evidence of a two taking some time to really sit with just beauty in their four space and allow themselves to rest and to not be out and to do some of that for them. Right. Yeah. Gardening. Like I have tons of plants. I don't get to see all my, I I, I love plants, you know, just something that fills your soul and it's only for you. Mm. It doesn't probably really matter what that is. In all honesty, it's going to be different for every person, but Mm. it's just so important to that's the humility though. Right. I mean, the pride is I don't need anything. Yes, you do. You're a human being. You need just as much things as everyone else does. So find what you need and fill, don't expect Mm. someone else to fill that. Fill it, find how you can start to fill yourself. And that that brings you back to your power, Krista, because we want to, we feel like we have no power. Mm -hmm. And then, then this is what I love so much about Enneagram. And this is what's helped me in my thinking space too. It's like, I'm looking at what all this beautiful system has to offer me. And I'm like, and I happen to be married to an eight. So I'm extra lucky. I believe in that way because I have that power. And then I have a daughter who's a four. So it's like these two people I love so much in the world. My son is a one and he's my wing. So I have all these things around me that I'm like, I can look to these people and be like, no power, power is accessible to me, right? Mm. Depth and emotion is accessible to me, you know, order and, and rightness and knowing what to do is accessible to me. Um, you know, ambition and my three is accessible to me. Um, I think a really cool thing about Enneagram is that what you realize is there's nothing bad in Enneagram, right? There's just things that are different. And what we do is we over-focus in one place and we forget all these other things are available to us. And suddenly when you start learning in my class that I teach, we have these handouts when we do a class that says mapping myself with Enneagram. And I would suggest for you to do this, anybody, it doesn't matter what type you are, start writing it down, right? I am a heart type. This Mm -hmm. means I have shame. This means I want attention. This means I start with feeling. Mm -hmm. I am a two. This means I'm a helper, right? This means that I'm a dependent nature. This means that I'm present oriented. Start listing everything, write them all down. These are my lines of connection. These are what these numbers are. These are my wings. These are what these numbers are. And then suddenly you have this spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You'll like that as a seven, right? You'll have all this information that you're like, wow, I have all of these things to know myself Wow, that I never knew before. And now what serves me so I can do that more and what doesn't serve me so I can do that less or not do it anymore. And, um, I think that's the magic of the system and that's what I, and it is truly as a two feeling like I was smiling, happy. So everything was fine. I've had to realize that everything wasn't fine. And now it's getting more fine every day because of my realization that it, I was just pretending like it was fine. Oh, and yeah. 
it's different to be fine than just to act like you're fine when you're not fine. It's like a whole different yeah. journey. <laughs> and when a two can admit that, I can say this is a non-two, that it's really moving and it brings the rest of us closer to you, ironically, when you fall away from the pride and say, like, I'm human, I'm broken too. We're all yeah. equally beloved um, versus I'm way down on the floor or I'm way above you. And I think that- yes that's a very big piece that you've done some beautiful work on. We can come across as so fake and we don't, we honestly don't realize that. I don't think twos realize how sort of pretentious and false they can sometimes appear. And it feels kind of painful when someone calls you on that. When you first read Enneagram, you're kind of like, Oh, like I'm not like that. But, (laughs) but when you can realize that you are and that, you know, you can shift that into being something more true and it, mm-hmm. it it just makes your whole life feel different and everything oh. seem it kind of brings a clarity mm. into your relationships into yourself and into your world it's kind of like you have this camera and it's out of focus then all of a sudden it goes to clarity and you're like oh wow is that what everything actually really looks like the good and the bad right yeah. because it's all part of life and it's all part of me and my relationships and I'm not just positing out, you know, saying the silver lining of everything and looking at the reality of things. And, you know, you can't change something if you won't even look at the reality of it. So, uh, you know, so that I, I think that that's just, you know, really is hard for twos, but it's just so vital. And it's it's the key to making that next step into being a more complete human. And I do think that all the numbers around you are so helpful Yeah. Um, to understand what all those numbers are like, what their behaviors are like and how those behaviors and perspectives can help you with all of that journey. And I love how you reminded twos, like you're not just thinking inhibited. You have access to that three. You have access to that one. You mm-hmm. have access to these thinking abilities with, you know, even you're going to four and eight. And it's like, you are reminding twos, you are not stuck in this one move and you can use your mind. And as Suzanne Stabile has said, a very healthy to herself that you really need to remember once you said your thinking is regulated, it's very clear. And you may be one of the best thinkers like you and Suzanne are. So I really want to encourage that. And then there may not be many who understand what the seductiveness is like. Maybe you could briefly touch on that in case people hear, why do, what do you mean I get fixated on flattery or seduction? Well, I mean, it's all about drawing the person towards you as you're, even if you're not a sexual, because I, I probably would say my stacking, my middle is sexual and my bottom is actually self-pres, which okay. is a double whammy for two. But, but still the seduction is I want your attention mm-hmm. because that's what I need to feel worthy. Mm-hmm. So how do we get people's attention, right? We're, we want to draw them in. So we're going to flatter them. We're going to say how much we love them or how amazing they are. We're going to, it's it's almost like you're sort of throwing out a fishing line and then you're like reeling that person in closer to you through, um, you know, getting, saying what is the sparkly lure, you know, yeah. oh, look over here. Look at this little you sparkle, you well. know, come pay yeah. attention to me. Yeah. And um, the thing is, are they paying attention to you or the lure? Mm. You know, so- this is the problem that it, it, and then you get them close to you and it's the, well, 
now what? Because you've brought them in with some flattery that maybe doesn't have very much re- realness to it or honesty yeah. to it. Yeah. Um, now I will say on the other side of this, Krista, I do speak to people everywhere, everywhere I go. When I'm in the grocery store, if I see someone with a nice hairdo or a pretty shirt, I will say, oh, wow, your blouse is so beautiful or something mm-hmm. like that. And I think that twos are super good at that. And we notice yeah. most do, um, what's going on with other people. And we like to connect with people like that. And it doesn't, yeah. I do pay attention to it, not being genuine and okay. do it being for a, a game for me, mm-hmm. other than just happiness, you know, okay, that's um, good to know. Cause you don't want to stop people from being kind and being able to no. flatter when they really mean it. And they're not yes. looking for anything back. They're just like, I genuinely noticed their shirt or how cute their baby was. And so that's good. That it's you about giving it's about giving and not really worrying about it's giving the bouquet of flowers away and then being, then letting that transaction be finished. It's not about the thank you. It's not about the gratitude. It's not about the attention coming your direction. Mm -hmm. It's about that twos are so kind and loving and we want people to be happy and we want joy and we want love and we want connection with everyone to have that. And so if we can give someone a little bit of that, then we, if you can do that without agenda, um, and that's maybe what you mean by the seduction and the flattery, it's not something for me. It's truly for you. Mm -hmm. You're better off if it's not truly just for the other person. I think you're better off to not do it. Okay. But you still with marriage and outside of marriage too. Oh yeah. I think a hundred percent, you know, I think in your relationships, you know, in, in certain types, which I have all around me, a one, eight, and a four, um, they know when you're being false and they know authenticity and they know genuineness and believe it or not, a lot of people know when you're not being genuine, they may not say it, but we think we're being really, you know, tricking people or something. I mean, not really, but you know, like like, people know when you're not being genuine. So really be genuine, but pay attention to yourself and yeah. no, I think sometimes twos don't know when they're being genuine or not. They're not mm-hmm. trying to be false, but they're yeah. not aware. They they don't see it. And so that's why it's painful when you first see it. But then when you see it and you go, oh, I see. Like I need to be connecting with these people because I truly want to give them happiness and joy and peace and a yeah. connection, a smile. And mm-hmm. then I go my way. And it's not for something just, it's only for myself. And that's huge. It's really big. And not only that, but I'm not going to hurt that them and their people, because if the two is encroaching in on other people's marriages and spaces, they may not be doing it for anything except like they can have that felt need of, I feel a need, but they may not know what that needs about. And so sometimes I like to share in that two space, if you're in, cause anyone can be in the two space. If you're in the two space, stop to think about the other people in the lives around you. And if that would be helpful, if that's sort of yours to do sort of. Oh no, hundred percent. I actually wrote that down when you, uh, in my notes too, that it is. And I know Suzanne Stabile says that what is yours to do? Like everything isn't yours to do. And as a two, sometimes we think everything is ours to do. It's everyone's ours to help. Everyone's there to rescue. If we don't, then we feel guilty or whatever. So that's why we might get into a situation in marriage where we're maybe, um, over getting into too close to someone we shouldn't outside of our spouse or whatever. And we have to learn to 
not do that. You know, um, that that's not an honest and valuable space to be in. Um, But I think if you move it away from the attention on yourself, you have much more, again, we go back to that clear thinking, Mm. you get out of that caught in that attention. Attention is a really important word for twos to pay, to pay attention to attention to attention, right? That you can't let your motivation for everything you do be to get attention. Yeah, that's huge. It's, it's oh really big. Gosh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Especially because you said you're going to get the healthy kind of attention, not the masterminding kind, but the kind that is like, I want to be around you because you're humble, because you're kind, yeah. you're fun, you're sweet. You also have good boundaries and can go deep. Um, so these are beautiful pieces of a two that that's why many of my best friends and, and, and I love hanging with you are twos because there is such depths. Uh, it's almost like I've seen it said in the late Don Riso's book that um, the two can have that farthest fall to pride, but I almost think he's right when he says also the highest stride um, because yeah. it can be just such a beautiful unveiling when you walk through this. And I bet your family work just was so incredible once you did the work. Oh my gosh. It was, it was, it was truly amazing. And that's why really, you know, for spouses and people who love twos, it's really important to give your two attention when they're not doing anything, mm-hmm. when they're not fixing mm-hmm. anything, when they're not taking mm-hmm. care of anybody. That's when you say to them, you're amazing today, or I love you, or, you know, I love being with you, or it's not about just their acts of service or when they're only when they're helping. And um, it does create a vicious cycle because twos are so good at showing up for other people. Then the only time they want to be around them is when they're being helped. And then that leaves the two feeling very shallow, you know, very empty because I sometimes want you to be with me, to choose to be with me, even when I'm not helping you. And um, that that's really key in marriage, I think, to you know, appreciate the two when they're not really doing anything other than just being themselves. You know, they're just laying in their sweatpants, whatever, watching TV or sitting, reading a book. And you'll be like, you're amazing. I appreciate you. You know, it's not just about their acts of service. And I think you'll get really far in marriage, um, letting that two know how you see them and helping them sometimes without them asking. I think that's really huge too, because I always help everyone without them asking probably sometimes more than I should, but I'm getting better. But I really love it when someone does something for me without me asking. It's like the best thing ever. So, you know, show up for your twos. You do not have to show up for twos, how to show up for you, because that's our God-given gift and no one is quite as good at it as we are, yeah. but just some will yeah. be so appreciated in, yeah. to your oh. two. You know? Oh, I love that. You're like, show up for them too. And I really feel that for you, that um, you really give a lot. And so just knowing that somebody is thinking of you, giving back to you, even if they're just trying to give from the heart space, but that's not their natural space. Like that's a huge gift. And of course we've said this before, but choose trying to let people give to you from where they can give to you. Uh, but you're already oh, yeah. implying that you're implying that within that you're like, I'm not even demanding. It's just a request. Like if you want to bless your twos, just love them right where they're at when they're not in that doing or putting on flattery or airs. Um, but just when they're, they're, their soul. Right. And I think they're deep. Yeah. And it doesn't, it, I don't think, I think most twos would say it does not have to be grand. It doesn't have to be expensive. It does not have to be a dozen roses. It does not have to be something spectacular. It's like, I was 
walking through the park and I, I picked you a daisy or, mm. you know, I, a while ago, uh, we, uh, my son and I like to burn incense and he had been out at Walmart. He's like, I bought you this little dollar incense thing. It was bright yeah. yellow and it had suns on it. it. Made me think of you and it, but it only cost a dollar. And I'm like, I don't care how much it costs. You were just somewhere not with me and you thought about me and you bought it and you yeah. use your own money. And then you came and you yeah. gave it to me. Right. It's not, yeah. it's, it's a, thought it truly is like that heart connection is so valuable for twos to feel like you thought of me when I wasn't with you yeah um that is really yeah and it doesn't have to be anything huge I might like a little text message or just it just anything you know um is uh twos just sometimes feel like we are forgotten Mm. and I think it's very important to not let your twos feel like they're forgotten. Um, And then just one more thing, because I know we're getting close on time here that I felt was just so incredibly important. Yeah. Big, 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 please twos listen to me. Other people in the world do not know what you need. Mm -hmm. This is the biggest thing that I learned in Enneagram. As a child, I always thought and twos cry. So I'm going to try really hard to not do that. Okay. I thought that everyone knew what I needed but they didn't give it to me. And I was like, what is wrong with me? Why does everyone know what I need? But they never give it to me. So what I realized when I learned Enneagram was like, oh "Oh, crap, they never knew what I needed. That's why they didn't give it to me. I never said it. I never said what I needed. I just thought, well, I know what they need. So they know what I need. So here's the magic. Everyone is not a two we're not all the same. We're all these numbers, right? We're all different. We all, not everyone is intuitive to know what other people need. I mean, maybe you might have another two in your life who doesn't know what you need, but my, I was raised by a lot of head types and they did not know what I needed. Oh my! Gosh. And I never said what I needed. And then I just felt like I wasn't locked because mm-hmm. I didn't, they didn't give it to me. So <sighs> you have to tell people what you need. Mm, that's and okay. this have, is like yeah you have to you have to figure out what you need and you have to say to the people that in your family your spouse even to your children this is what I need and most of the time if they love you they're going to do it for you they yeah. just don't know yeah oh <laughs> there you go <laughs> oh my gosh guys the magic is here this is why we had Kirsten like on the today thing yeah <laughs> This is so magical. Thank you. This is just exactly what twos need to hear. So I'm just so excited. Like, this is what I truly feel about this episode. It could be life changing for entire generations of families. So I hope so. I I mean, that's, you know, Krista, that's why I wanted to be a marriage coach. And Mm -hmm. that's why I took your class. Um, Mm -hmm. I I love especially young couples and newly starting relationships. Mm -hmm. And let's get these beautiful people starting Mm -hmm. there haven't even had their children yet. Let's teach them all Mm -hmm. to know themselves and to know each other and to have kindness and humor and, Mm -hmm. and understanding in their lives. And how is this going to change the future? I mean, Suzanne Stabile says, if everyone knew about Enneagram, there'd be peace on earth. And I agree with her, you know, it would start with the family. 
more patience and kindness with each other. And um, that's what I want. One, one couple at a time, one family at a time, one marriage at a time. Mm. I just did a coaching session with a gal and her 16 year old son, which is Mm. really cool. They're like, we want to get along better with each other. I'm like, let's do it. So um, it's just about being kinder in our relationships and more Mm. understanding with each other. And um, I hope, I hope I did my prayers before I came on here today. I'm like, this message is going to reach the people who it needs to reach. Yes. And yes. this is going to move them and maybe give them some understanding of themselves or at least a place to start. Exactly. Um, Thank you. And be happier person. Yeah. And I really love how you serve in the younger generations too, because as mine round out, I'm like, I am so glad I got to learn the Enneagram for them as they rounded into those double digits because it just made all the difference. And I know you get that. <sighs> And so we're some of the few who work with teens in this area. And I'm grateful for you to even just say that now. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you in case they want to set up with coaching? Yes, absolutely. Um, My website is livebetterwithenneagram.com. I also, that's, I, you can link to my email through that, but it's also livebetterwithenneagram at Gmail. I liked better because I think we can all be a little better. I mean, I don't feel like better is an unattainable goal. Can I be a little bit better tomorrow than I was yesterday? Can I be even a little bit better the next day after that? And Enneagram can help you do that. Yeah. It can help you just live a little bit better. And mm, like as time goes on and you learn more and you learn more, you'll look back and be like, wow, I'm like a lot better yeah. <laughs> than I was when I yeah. started. Isn't that wonderful? And it, it, it's just, it's truly magical. Mm-hmm. That's why I chose on that name. But yes, it's live better with Enneagram. Mm-hmm. And um, you can contact me through there. If anybody is in Knoxville, Oak Ridge area, I don't, I know you have a wide listener. Um, we do have a local group that meets twice a month in Oak Ridge. There's information um, on the website about that as well. But, um, but I'm happy to work with any, any, any relationships in all honesty, like I said, parents and children and spouses and getting ready to get married, I think is really awesome. Um, but you know, brothers and sisters, it doesn't matter. I mean, we're all trying to figure each other out and understand each other and have more kindness with each other. So, um, and Enneagram can certainly do that for sure. So (laughs) yay. Thank you. You know, I love that. I feel so safe with you that you love relational work because that's really powerful. And, and like you said, the relational relationist, right? That's what we said. I'm the relational relationist. (laughs) Yeah. This is why you're here today, guys. This is so beautiful. So, and she does do zoom sessions. And so thank you for sharing that. I'll put everything in the show notes. Thank you so much, Kirsten, for coming on today with. It has been so amazing. And I just hope in the future that I'm a face and a name that some of your listeners will know and, you know, lean into for some help if they need it. And um, because it's truly my blessing that I'm able to give this help to people. And I know that as time goes on and generations go on and I want to make a difference in the world. And I think that I am doing that. And I love that. And I love that what you've taught me and I love you and your podcast. And there's so many beautiful Enneagram teachers out there. And we're all just making that little bit of a difference one day at a time. And um, it's it's just so valuable and it just fills my heart. It makes me really happy. And it's what I want to do. And um, I'm blessed to do it. So if you want to work with me, I would love to talk to you. So Uh, (laughs) got a lot of tools for you. Okay. Thank you, Kirsten. Yes. Awesome. Thank you. Bye-bye. 
Guys, thank you so much for tuning in to Kirsten. I'm so grateful you got to hear about how to contact her. So make sure you share her info with the two you love, or if you're that two, or somebody with a two, uh, or just other types that have been curious with us today. We would love to have you reach out to her. Everything of hers is in the show notes. We'll be opening up our collective again soon so you can be part of our membership group. Kirsten spends time in our membership group and loves connecting with people. So make sure you touch base with her and with us as we roll through April or whenever you're listening. All right. Good job, you guys. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you again for listening with us. It was so wonderful to have you. I love knowing we're doing this journey together, not perfectly, but with love, grace, and hopefully some fun too. If you love today's episode, make sure you leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcast or Spotify so others can find it too. Visit our show notes so you can get all the links from today's show, as well as EnneagramAndMarriage.com, the Instagram, the Facebook, and all over the place. Make sure you spread the word. Love living intentionally with you. Bye-bye.